0: HIPAA is uh, a little overwhelming in terms of compliance, but there's a lot of resources out there that you can combine together to make it easier to have a flow and make your life a little bit easier as well.
1: and welcome to the HIPAA Vault show where we discuss all things HIPAA compliance in the cloud. My name is Adam Zenadine and I'm joined today by the CTO and founder of HIPAA Vault, Gil Vidal. Hey Gil. Hey Adam. And I'm also joined by a special guest today on the show and it's our compliance manager, Henry Alfonso. Welcome Henry.
0: Hey how you doing Adam? Hey Gil.
1: So last week we talked about WordPress optimization. This week we're going to talk about developing HIPAA compliant Websites. If you've watched a few of our videos already, make sure to subscribe now for more HIPAA related tips and content. So let's get started. Our question for the week comes from the owner of a website development company who asks My client wants me to develop a patient portal for their therapy practice. Do I need to be HIPAA compliant to do this? First question I
2: like to ask is about the data. What kind of data? is gonna be stored on the website or if there is gonna be any data stored on the website. Sometimes we've seen sites that have third-party HIPAA compliant forms where the data is actually not stored on the website. The form is on the website when we hit submit button, the data is actually stored elsewhere. So in those cases, the the owner of the site themselves, they don't have to be HIPAA compliant. Uh, Mm -hmm. So it really comes down to if there's gonna be protected health information and and if it's going to be stored locally then i think the answer is clearly yes it needs to be HIPAA compliant
1: so in the case where they've got a contact form on the website and maybe that information is getting sent to an email inbox then they could set up the email inbox with HIPAA compliance there and then they'd be covered but for scenarios where they need a patient portal like this one HIPAA compliance would be needed
2: yeah i I think so i mean there's different levels Um, for HIPAA compliance. It's a little bit, just a little bit more binary that you need it or you don't, I would say. Um, but even even though that's true, there are degrees of it. So there are, there are very large portals that have millions of patient records and then there's very small websites that a therapist might have for just scheduling appointments. Okay? And that's on the very, very light side, you know, very light. So, so obviously you have to scale your HIPAA compliance and security to match that level of exposure and risk that you you may have as a medical practitioner as an and as an owner.
1: So I'm glad that Henry you're able to join us today because I know that when it comes to HIPAA compliance, there are there are safeguards, is that right? Um, could you talk a little bit about what safeguards would be relevant for HIPAA? When it comes to you know setting up like a patient portal
0: uh, sure it, it all depends on the hardware as well safeguards can include physical and logical uh, in terms of physical uh, depending on who owns the equipment um, there should be things in place to monitor access to monitor changes um, in terms of logical uh, safeguards um, is the data encrypted is the data being monitored to who's accessing and who's uh, changing any? Of the files located in that uh, location where the phi may reside um, it, it all depends on how much of the infrastructure contains phi and what type of infrastructure you're using as well
1: so when it comes to the physical infrastructure if, if they're hosting the website uh, in the cloud with a, um, a hosting provider that's setting up the servers in the cloud, then would it be right to say that most of the physical safeguards would be uh, on the on the hosting provider side to, to secure?
0: Uh, that is correct. You'll be inheriting their uh, security posture in terms of their physical uh, safeguards as well, but you also have to think internally of your own safeguards. You have physical security for your work laptop, your work computer, things like that as well you have to take into consideration.
1: What kind of um, safeguards or maybe even policies does a software developer or website developer need to take care of and possibly implement?
0: Uh, Usually a lot of the policies are taken care of during the software development lifecycle of the application. Things to include is uh, redundancy, backups. Um, If the code goes wrong and you push that to a website, is there a way to revert that? There should be a lot of uh, internal policies to uh, do regression uh, if there's any uh, issues rolling out the application or any updates as well. Um, a, a lot of the policies that are required are in terms of uh, accessibility and availability of the data. Uh, if anything happens to the application, do you have policies, procedures in place to uh, follow to fix that? Have a what-if scenario and have policies in place to fix that?
2: I think for the audience, it's important for them to know where, where they're going to be hosting. So if, let's say, for example, you're a software developer and you're making healthcare apps for your, your customers. So you might say, well, I can have my own equipment in a data center. Well, that's, in terms of compliance, that could be the worst case scenario because you bought the equipment yourself. You're the owner. You signed the checks and you have the credit card. Well, you've got a lot of work. to do. You need to know, you need to be an expert in HIPAA compliance because you're going to be literally putting those servers in the back of your truck and driving them to the data center and plugging them in. I mean, the responsibility is all yours, although that's kind of rare these days. So that's that's the extreme. You, I would not recommend doing that. Uh, the next level up is let's say say, well, I'm not gonna buy the equipment, I'm just gonna go rent a server. Many places you can just rent a server that's already racked and stacked, and it's sitting there, and in that case, you're you're renting it, but you're leasing it, it's still your equipment, and it's sitting in a rack at some in some data center. And it's still your responsibility to make sure that the provider that you you're renting the server from has all the things necessary, including say like a camera. They can see your aisle where your equipment is. And can anyone walk in, can any visitor walk into that data center and happen to brush by your server and, you know, accidentally turn it off or maliciously do something? I mean, is there a segregation between clients or are you in a shared environment where all the servers are racked and anyone can log in there that belongs in that data center? Anyone can go in because they have equipment, but they can start messing around with other people's equipment. But the best case scenario is to be, if you're a healthcare developer, is to, is to go into the cloud where the cloud provider has proven to be HIPAA compliant. They have all the certifications, and they have attested to those, or certified, and then you just, you know, use their certification by signing a business associate agreement. So sometimes a healthcare developer might – get fooled into thinking well if i just rent my own equipment look how much money i'm going to save because it's a lot cheaper than if i go in the cloud
1: but yet now
2: they have to have all the compliance expertise someone like henry who's a cissp and has years of experience uh, you'd have to hire somebody like that for example that might be a consideration
1: is going through a hipaa compliance program something that software developers uh can do? If so, are there any recommendations where, where they could do that?
2: If I were a healthcare app developer and I'm a businessman, I certainly want, wouldn't want, well, I, I wouldn't want to become an expert in other fields. I want to be an expert in what I'm good at, which is software development. I would want to partner with somebody that has fulfilled the HIPAA compliance portion and let them handle that piece of it. So as far as getting certified and getting an education, yes, I definitely would take training module i would have proof that i've taken that training module in fact i take it every year you know and i have a little certificate to show that that would be important but that's a very minimal a very minimal investment of time and very minimal investment in money but i wouldn't go far past that if i were a healthcare developer what i would do is spend some money taking a course on securing code how do you ensure your code is secure? How do you ensure you don't have cross-site scripting enabled accidentally? How do you know that your code um, isn't accessible by by others in Git GitHub? I mean, what you know all these things that now is is in your world.
1: Something that came to mind, which is often the software developers don't miss, don't need to have access to live PHI data when they're developing the application, right? So that, that's that's probably one good reason why they might not necessarily need to have you know all these certifications and third-party audits coming out um, to say you know we're we've gone through all these policies and procedures in order to be HIPAA compliant but there is there might be a scenario where maybe the 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 projects moved on and they're being asked to be part of the maintenance of the portal Um, in, in those scenarios maybe they would have access to PHI. Is there a distinction here or like, is there a distinction to be made as to like, at what point does a software developer need to seriously consider going through a robust third party audit for, for their own HIPAA compliance?
0: even though the developer may not ha- have access to the PHI data, uh, the software will still process and manage that that data. Because of that, the software needs to be compliant or HIPAA compliant, which means there has to be certain configurations, certain settings for the application. Is TLS enabled? Um, is it, is, uh, is it above 1.3? Is it uh, below that? They, they still would have to know what HIPAA compliance security configurations need to be applied to that software or the application as well. Yeah, and I would I would add to what Henry said that uh,
2: the developer needs to factor in uh, the multiple authentication. So they, they would need to have their software written in such a way where the owner of the software could say, well, I want to enable uh, a second factor for logging in. It might be over email where a token is sent uh, over email, they might give an option to say, well, let's allow that six-digit code, as an example, to go via um, SMS, which means over the cell phone to a cell phone. Or better yet, they could say, no, I'm going to use uh, an app like Google Authenticator, where we're going to have, you know, the end users have to have the Authenticator app on their phone. So they, they could and should consider that and say, "Wow, in my software, what options am I going to make available? For multi-factor authentication now the worst case and we've seen this happen some of our customers they they have software that doesn't have any authentication other than just simple username and password and we've seen you know problems between sites that get compromised and that's because at the application level they didn't have
1: the right controls so when it comes to resources listeners and viewers can go to are there any recommended places for more knowledge
0: a great resource is Um, hhs.gov it's the center of all uh, health and human services in terms of hipaa compliance hipaa documents Um, it's a really good tool i use it almost daily um, if i have any questions as well Um, they provide a lot of good information in terms of how to get started with hipaa compliancy uh, and, and it drills down into the real technical portions where it references nist standards the national institute of standards and technology at the u.s department of commerce uh, it provides guidelines and security controls that help maintain the security posture of information systems. Uh, and it also provides a crosswalk where uh, it combines HIPAA and NIST and it walks you through hey, in HIPAA, it shows that you need to have access control. Well, what, what, what do I have to do? What, what's the technical portion? You will look at NIST and it'll clearly dictate all right, make sure. Um, there are logs enabled make sure that there's traceability when people access files or folders it really drills down into the technical portions of hipaa compliancy when you when utilizing them both together
1: Mm -hmm. gil do you have any recommendations yeah it's
0: it's daunting if you're a healthcare
2: app developer and you're you're busy guy or busy woman you know writing code and that's your that's your wheelhouse that's your passion that's your love as soon as you turn over to the the side of the fence where you're dealing with policies and procedures you're going to be falling asleep you know the tv's on you're going to be sitting there asleep so the question is how can you still do all these things and, and be practical about it well one thing to do is do a scan have, have a scan on your application so you, you can load dummy data you know have have a scanner go through and then you'll get a vulnerability report that shows are any vulnerability any weaknesses in your application and then get busy patching those and changing your code, changing your configuration to make sure that those vulnerabilities disappear after you rescan.
0: And I agree that is a good starting point to see what local or or, uh, on-hand vulnerabilities are there, but it's it's such high level. It goes into also policies, uh, disaster recovery. There's so many things that you have to consider that it is overwhelming. and and again the hhs.gov is such a great resource because it it lays it down in a basic way where it says all right do you have these policies in place this is what these policies should have in it and also it references more technical documentation if you want to dive in deep Um, but again HIPAA is uh, a little overwhelming in terms of compliance. but there's a lot of resources out there that you can combine together to make it easier to have a flow um, and make your life a bit easier as well yeah I,
2: I think that's important the the scan is a good like uh, Henry was explaining in another meeting that it's a good way to just verify that you're you're doing things properly. But you're right, you have to have your policies and procedures. One piece of advice that's important is don't don't just go to your favorite compliance website. You know, you can it's like a candy machine. You can put in a nickel, get a candy, you put in a nickel there and get your policies already written you know, wow, say, like, oh, good, I got this nice PDF, I'm done, and you just throw it in your filing cabinet and you never look at it. You know, it's, it's yeah, sure, you have a checkbox there that you have your policies and procedures, but you didn't go through the due diligence to understand them and to ensure that you're covering all those things. So think about your policies and procedures as a roadmap. This is your map. This is how you're going to get from point A to B. And then the scan that you do to check things is just your way of verifying that follow that roadmap properly that you're doing things. And uh, you could do a pen test as well. That costs a lot more money. But you can do a pen test to see, as we actually hire a person, uh, instead of just having a, an automated scanner, you're actually hiring a brain behind the scanner that's going to pick away at it and see if they can I- exploit the weakness. They're actually going to try to penetrate through the weakness that they see in a, in a report. And then they're gonna they're going to come back to you and say, hey, Mr. Healthcare Developer, look what I did. I hacked into your site and then, you know, you've got to go back to the drawing board with your application and continue to secure it.
1: We'll include some useful links in the description as to the resources that we discussed. Are there any, any other considerations either of you would like to point out with regards to the, the software developer?
0: Even if it's not uh, HIPAA-related, everyone should practice good cybersecurity. Having a baseline is always nice, and, and NIST provides that as well for small businesses, small apps. The NIST CSF cybersecurity framework is a baseline framework where just to at least get the, the good checks uh, enabled uh, have at least the, the basic security features enabled. Um, and I feel like everyone who is in the tech industry should at least have some type of security framework that they utilize. It being NIST or CIS or any of those other frameworks that are available as well.
1: If you're a software developer and you, you're not sure on where to go when it comes to HIPAA, you can always reach out to us at podcast at podcast.hippabot.com, tweet us at HIPAA Hosting, or you can also visit us at hippabot.com and chat into us. We have 24-7 live chat. And that's all for this episode. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe. And until next time, thanks for stopping by.